Today on Bread for the Broken with James Grizzle, pastor of Calvary Chapel, Galveston. God's bigger than this barren fig tree. He's bigger than it. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to shift my mindset onto God and his promises and God and his word and the fact that he is faithful. I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in the God of my salvation. I don't care if I don't have figs. I don't care if I don't have grapes. I don't care if I don't ever have any more cattle. I have God. I have him. And that's all I need. And that's all I need. What a powerful truth that God is bigger than any challenge we're going to face in life. In today's message, Pastor James will look at the early complaints from Habakkuk and how he was able to shift his mindset by remembering the promises of God. As Christ followers, we know that we're not immune to struggles, but the Word of God is filled with promises to bring us hope and deliverance through any trial. How can you redirect your problems into praises because of promises that the Lord has made? Now here's Pastor James in the book of Habakkuk chapter 2 with today's edition of Bread for the Broken. Isn't it funny? And isn't it amazing? You guys ever play the telephone game when you're a kid? The message starts here and then it filters down the line. And by the time you get to the end of it, you're like, I, I didn't say that at all. Like, what in the world? Like, this is sometimes the issue. The Lord's like, write my word down in stone. In stone. So there's no question about what I said. Write it in concrete. So there's no question so that when the message gets to this person, it isn't convoluted. It isn't like, well, I think he was kind of trying to say this, so I'm going to reword it to that. No, no, it's written in stone. This is what he said. This is what he meant, okay? In the good biblical practice of inductive Bible study, which I love to do, I do that once a year. I go through the class of inductive Bible study. I've taken it, I don't know how many times now, but I want to get better at learning how to study the Word of God. Okay, I've been doing this for 20 years. I want to get better at this. That's my goal. And I know this. There are many observations. There are many applications. There is only ever one interpretation. Okay? Only ever one. It's not like, well, I see this. To me, this kind of means this. No. What does it mean concerning the word of God? What did he mean by it? I don't care what I think it says. What did he mean? And the Lord's like, write it in stone. So there's no confusion. This is what it is. So you get the correct message to others. The vision is for a future time. It describes the end and it will be fulfilled. If it seems slow in coming, wait, it will not be delayed. The Lord's like, you can bank on it. If I say this is going to happen, if I say this is going to happen pretty soon, guess what? It's going to happen pretty soon. So there's, there's no issues. And we get impatient, especially in the day and age in which we live, where everything is so instantaneous. Like, I mean, I get, we get frustrated in the drive-thru, right? Of like, where's my food that's going to kill me slowly, right? Like, yeah, let's hurry this, let's speed this up, right? Like, slow down, slow down. And the Lord is, he is never in a hurry. The vision's for a future time. It will be fulfilled. If it seems slow in coming, wait patiently. 
Wait patiently, for it will surely take place. It will not be delayed. Verse four, he says, look at the proud. They trust in themselves and their lives are crooked, but the righteous will live by their faithfulness to God or the just shall live by faith. That verse alone started the Reformation. That verse alone messed up Martin Luther. Okay, because he saw that in Romans 1. And he's like, what in the world? He's like, I've gotten this thing all wrong for so long. Because we know it in Romans 1, 117, the just shall live by faith. Habakkuk is, he's never mentioned. His name is never mentioned, but he has one verse that is repeated three times in the New Testament. And it's the same verse. So in Romans, the whole book is about the just. In Galatians 3.11, it's referenced again, but its focus in that book is shall live. And then in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 38, it's all leading you into chapter 11, which is by faith. So you got Romans, Galatians, Hebrews, the just shall live by faith. This one little verse, little dude, Habakkuk, we can't even pronounce his name right anymore, but here he is. He's like, I got this vision, and in the middle of that vision, God dropped a diamond in my lap. That should forever change the way we live our lives. The righteous, the just, and if you are in Christ, you are covered by his blood. It's his righteousness that has been given to you, and we live by faith. We live by faith, not blind faith. We live by faith, a faith that is anchored in Jesus. It's anchored in him. The righteous will live by their faithfulness to God. It's just another way of phrasing that. Verse 5, he says, wealth is treacherous. The arrogant are never at rest. They open their mouth as wide as the grave, and like death, they are never satisfied. In their greed, they have gathered up many nations and swallowed many people. But soon their captives will taunt them. They will mock them, saying, what sorrow awaits you, thieves? Now you will get what you deserve. You have become rich by extortion. But how much longer can this go on? Suddenly, your debtors will take action. They will turn on you and take all you have while you stand trembling and helpless. Because you have plundered many nations, now all the survivors will plunder you. You committed murder throughout the countryside and filled the towns with violence. Here's a handful of woes, okay, as we're going to go into this. But this is the Lord just saying like, hey, look, Habakkuk, here's what's going to happen, dude. Um, I'm sending the enemy into your country because the enemy is going to correct you, so to speak. But he has no authority. He can't do it on his own unless I give him permission, the Babylonians' permission to come in and to do this. But I'm going to allow them to do that because, well, you need a spanking, right? Like, that's just it. You've been naughty. And so now it's time for me to correct you because I love you. But don't worry about them because I'm going to squash them. As big and as bad as they think they are, they don't stand a chance against me. So, yeah, I can use whoever I want to discipline you, but I still love you, and I'm not done with you. And I'm not done with you. He says that verse 9, this is the beginning of the woes, or New Living Translation says, what sorrow awaits you who build big houses with money gained dishonestly? You believe your wealth will buy security, putting your family's nest above the reach of danger. But by the murderers you committed, You have shamed your name and forfeited your lives. The very stones in the walls cry out against you, and the beams in the ceilings echo the complaints. 
Woe or what sorrow awaits you who build cities with money gained through murder and corruption? Has not the Lord of heaven's armies promised that the wealth of nations will turn to ashes? They work so hard, but all in vain. For as the waters fill the sea, the earth will be filled with an awareness or a knowledge of the glory of God. He's like, your money can't save you. This stuff, you can't save you. Doesn't stand a chance because the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of God. Last woe here. Woe or what sorrow awaits you who make your neighbors drunk. You force your cup on them so that you can gloat over their shameful nakedness. But soon it will be your turn to be disgraced. Come, drink and be exposed. Drink from the cup of the Lord's judgments. And all your glory will be turned to shame. You cut down the forest of Lebanon. Now you will be cut down. You destroyed the wild animals, so now their terror will be yours. You committed murder throughout the countryside and filled the towns with violence. What good is an idol carved by man or a cast image that deceives you? How foolish to trust in your own creation, a God that can't even talk. What sorrow, woe awaits you who say to wooden idols, wake up and save us, right? Seems silly, right? This is all absurdity is what God is saying, like, your house and all your stuff, that's not going to do you any good. You're making all these idols and then you're crying out to these wooden images that you carved saying like, please save me, please rescue me. Says to speechless stone images, you say, rise up and teach us. Can an idol tell you what to do? They may be overlaid with gold and silver, but they are lifeless inside. But, verse 20, the Lord is in his holy temple let all the earth be silent before him. So God's like, look, I'm going to use these dudes, but they don't stand a chance. They don't stand a chance. And you can run to this and you can run to that. It may seem like the world is winning. It may seem like these guys are like, man, how could God let this wickedness prevail and get out of hand and out of control? And God, don't you see us? Don't you hear us? And he's like, I'm still sitting on my throne. I haven't moved. I'm still here. And all the earth will be silent before him. So you get to chapter three. We have this beautiful dialogue, a little back and forth between Habakkuk and God. And then what it leads Habakkuk to is humble submission and prayer will replace his questions and his worry. Humble submission to God and prayer replace his questions, his doubts, his worry, he replaces those. And that leads to praise. Okay, so any doubts, any questions, any worries that you have, you need to translate those over into humbly submitting before God, praying to him, and then the, what that equals in that equation is praise to him. Because Habakkuk gets to this place where he's like, man, Lord, there's all this wickedness. I don't know where you're at. God's like, I'm right here. I'm still moving. And here's how I'm going to move. And Habakkuk's like, I don't like that. I don't understand that. I can't, I can't comprehend that. That doesn't make sense to me. Like, why use the wicked to correct the righteous? You know, and then, and then God lets him know, like, no, listen, I'm in control of everything. I got you guys, but you know what? You reap what you sow. And these guys are going to come in, they're going to be used by me, but I'm going to squash these guys. They don't, they don't last in the story. 
And that leads Habakkuk to write a song. I mean, that's what all of chapter three is a song. So it leads him to this point where he's like, he humbly submits to God, understanding this. I may not understand it, but he does. And I can worry about this or I can cast all my cares and my anxieties onto him because he cares about me, 1 Peter 5, 7. What is the outcome of that? I'm just going to sing a song. I'm just going to sing. Man, that's, um, that's one of like, the greatest things that if you, you, if you ever find yourself in a funk, like a depression, I have a mentor. He since has, um, has passed away, and he's, he's singing songs of a whole other level right now before the Lord. But he told me, he's like, James, he's like, man, when you get in those funks, when, when, when it just seems like everything's crashing down on you, he's like, just start singing worship songs, man. He's like, just start singing. He's like, you have every reason to sing. It may not feel like it, but you have every reason to sing a song to the Lord because regardless of your circumstances, he's still in control and he's still good and he's still worthy of your song. And that's what Habakkuk, this is where he's at, where he's like, I don't understand it. I don't get it, but you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to sing a song because God is good, because God is good. And here's his song. It says, this prayer was sung by the prophet Habakkuk. I have heard all about you, Lord. I am filled with awe by your amazing works. In this time of our deep need, help us again as you did in years gone by. And in your anger, remember your mercy. Remember your mercy. I see God moving across the deserts of Edom, the Holy One coming from Mount Paran. His brilliant splendor fills the heavens, and the earth is filled with his praise. His coming is as brilliant as the sunrise. Rays of light flash from his hands where his awesome power is hidden. Pestilence marches before him. Plagues follow close behind. When he stops, the earth shakes. When he looks, the nations tremble. He shatters the everlasting mountains and levels the eternal hills. He is the eternal one. I see the people of Kushan in distress. The nations of Midian tremble in terror. Was it in anger, Lord, that you struck the rivers and parted the sea? Were you displeased with them? No, you were sending your chariots of salvation. You brandished your bow and your quiver of arrows. You split open the earth with flowing rivers. The mountains watched and trembled. Onward swept the raging waters. The mighty deep cried out, lifting its hands in submission. The sun and moon stood still in the sky as your brilliant arrows flew and your glittering spear flashed. I mean, you just have this military strength just like being beautifully communicated by Habakkuk, just very poetic. And he's like, there's nothing that stands in the way of God. Like nothing can stop him. Nothing can stop him. He can part the seas. He can part the rivers. He can, he can do all this stuff. He's brilliant. He is beautiful. He is powerful. It says, you marched across the land, verse 12, and trampled the nations in your fury. You went out to rescue your chosen people to save your anointed ones. You crushed the heads of the wicked and stripped their bones from head to toe. With his own weapons, you destroyed the chief of those who rush out like a whirlwind, thinking Israel would be easy prey. You trampled the sea with your horses and the mighty waters piled high. I trembled inside when I heard this. My lips quivered with fear. My legs gave way beneath me. I shook in terror. 
I will wait quietly for the coming day when disaster will strike the people who invade us. So here Habakkuk is, he's able to look ahead, see past the circumstances and look ahead of like, you're going to send the enemy? Oh, but you're going you're gonna to take care of the enemy. You're going to win. You win. And then you get this, one of like the most beautiful sections of scripture ever. Verse 17, even though the fig trees have no blossoms and there are no grapes on the vines, even though the olive crop fails and the fields lie empty and barren, even though the flocks die in the fields and the cattle barns are empty, right? Even though it seems hopeless, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. Amazing, beautiful, like the journey that we've went on with Habakkuk here. And there is, yes, there's where he's like, God, I don't understand. I'm confused. I see all this wickedness and all this stuff. It seems like the, it seems like the enemy is prevailing. And God's like, oh, don't worry about that. Don't worry about that. Here's what's going to happen. I'm going to send some people in. They're going to they're correct this, this issue that there's a greater issue than what you see, Habakkuk. And it's Israel's unfaithfulness to me. That's the greatest issue here. So you, we, had a, we had agreement, a covenant together, and, and you broke that. And so we need to fix that. And here's how I'm going to fix it. But don't you worry. I'm still on the throne. I still love you. I still care about you. I'm going to rescue you. So don't you worry about that. And this brings Habakkuk to this place of like, man, it doesn't matter what it looks like outside. I got no grapes on the vine. The fig tree it's barren. There's no blossoms. There's no hope for it. What I see is there's, there doesn't seem to be any hope for fruitfulness in my life, in my ministry, right? Like you've ever been there where you just look at it and you're like, is this thing ever going to work? Is this tree ever going to produce fruit? Is there ever going to be any grapes? I had the olive crop, but man, those trees have been decimated. Like I can see beyond my circumstance. Lord, I can see beyond that. I can see beyond the, the barren fig tree. I can see beyond the, the, the vines that have no grapes and, and the olive crop that has failed and, and the empty fields and, and the, the flocks that are, that are not there anymore and the, the barns are empty. I, I can see beyond that. And you know what? Even in the midst of the barrenness and even in the midst of the, the chaos and the confusion, I'm just going to rejoice. I'm, I'm going to choose to celebrate I'm going to switch my mindset. And we talk about this a lot. You can focus in on, and this isn't positive thinking. I don't believe in that stuff, okay? I'm not talking about that. I'm not talking about like you can focus on the negative and you can get closer to the fig tree and be like, well, I guess there's no hope. Or you can look beyond that and say, you know what? God's bigger than this barren fig tree. He's bigger than that. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to shift my mindset onto God and his promises and God and his word and the fact that he is faithful. I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in the God of my salvation. I don't care if I don't have figs. I don't care if I don't have grapes. I don't care if I don't ever have any more cattle. I have God. I have him. And that's all I need. And that's all I need. I'm going to be joyful in the God of my salvation. The sovereign Lord is my strength. He makes me as sure-footed as a, as a deer. 
heard that interpreted as a deer or the hyrax or whatever that kind of animal is that's out there in Israel. I've seen the zoos before. Amazing. Very sure-footed because they can bounce around on mountain cliff sides and all they need is about six inches of rock. And they can bounce all around that mountain like crazy. And Habakkuk's like, that's me when I trust in the Lord. That's me when I trust in the Lord. He's able to tread upon the heights. And then he closes, there's a little parentheses there. This is for the choir director. This prayer is to be accompanied by string instruments. So Habakkuk like breaks out his guitar and he's just like, ring. He's like, all right, um, you know, uh, what's it? G, C, uh, D, you know, the, the three chords, right? Like he's like, I want to write a worship song. Um, so he just has this and he's like, man, look at the journey God's brought me through. Like, he gave me this vision. He gave me this vision. And, and in this vision, it's like, I don't understand it. I don't even like it, to be honest, but, but he is so good. And so what I want to do so that others can benefit from that is I'm going to write a song. And that my song is only going to be about God and how faithful and awesome he is. And at no point in time does Habakkuk ever brag on himself in that song. It is not about him at all. He doesn't even mention his own name. Like, what are you doing, buddy? You can't do that. He's like... It's not about me, man. It's about the Lord. And look how good he is. Look how faithful he is. Look how strong he is. Look how powerful he is. I mean, look at the lyrics of the song. Like, this is, this is a song. This is like a powerful song where it's like, dude, he's like squashing people. He's wiping out armies. He's crushing the heads of the wicked. Like, we don't sing songs like this now, right? Because it might get us in trouble. I don't know. But, um, but he's like, our God's powerful. You don't mess with our God. And he's, he's beyond just our God. He's still that because even within this Habakkuk, even within there, he's letting us know like, man, I was in complete reverence towards God because I know who he is and who I am in his presence. But you and I could take it one step further where it's, yeah, this is a song about our God, but because of the Holy Spirit that dwells in me and you, this is a song about my Abba. This is a song about my papa. This is a song about my heavenly father. And yes, he is God almighty. He is the, the head crusher. But he's my papa. He's my daddy. He's my abba. Like, it's beautiful where you see this reverence that Habakkuk addresses toward him. And we don't lose any of that. But we can sing the same song and knowing like, man, that's my God. That's my God. We'll praise him despite our circumstances. The takeaway from this beautiful letter is this. um, Wait, ponder, trust. Wait, ponder means to, to think about, to meditate on, okay? Wait on the Lord, think, meditate on his word, and trust him. Trust him. And sometimes the outcome doesn't, it doesn't work out like what I envisioned it to. I've been there many times where I'm like waiting and trusting and God, here is the only solution. Here is the only solution that can possibly happen. And he's like, that's not the way it's going to go. And you're like, oh, that hurts so much. And he's like, I know, but you have to trust me that I know better. I've walked through this story many times and it's so difficult, but it's like, Wait, meditate, and trust, and trust. 
That's how we go from trouble to triumph in Jesus. You've been listening to Bread for the Broken in a series that you just don't want to miss. Pastor James Grizzle has been walking through the messages that God gave to the prophets in the times that Judah and Israel were not only holding God at arm's length, but also suffering under oppression. It doesn't sound too different than when I let my own selfishness drive my decisions. Am I alone in that? What's amazing to me is that God's love for His children isn't conditional. I love that it's not dependent on what I do or what I don't do, but He does desire an authentic relationship with you and me, a friendship that isn't second best. I urge you to not replace Him with the things of this world that eventually fade away. Will you join us Sunday morning at 10 a.m. or Thursday night at 7 p.m. to hear more of God's Word? For those of you that can't make it in person, don't worry. We live stream all of our services just for you. So find us on Facebook today. We like to keep faith simple and uncomplicated. So if you're looking for that and a laid-back atmosphere, then you'll be right at home with us. To find out more, head on over to breadforthebroken.com. Once again, that's breadforthebroken.com. While you're there, look around a little. You'll find our location, a bunch of archived messages, and a place to give to the ministry. We'd love to have you partner with us as we praise the mighty name of the Lord Jesus together. And with that, we're coming to the end of our time together today. We're so glad you decided to spend your day with us here on Bread for the Broken. Let me paint the picture of you.